There are lots of titles that Jesus applied to himself. He said, I am the door. Not very flattering, but he said, I am the door. Um, he said, I am the good shepherd. Again, full of meaning. But he also used the phrase, he said, I am the bread of life. And I'd like to talk about that title that Jesus applied to himself. Now, the titles Jesus gave to himself all had meaning uh, other than just um, a title. Uh, in other words, the bread of life, uh, we will see that. I am the good shepherd. And the, the interpretation is, I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. So they all have great meaning and have great teaching for us. But this morning, I'd like to just walk through the portion of Scripture in John 6, where Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life. And hopefully, it may be helpful. So if you have your Bible, I'm in John chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 25. When they found him, that's Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the works of God is this, to believe on the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life for the world. So they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I have told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. A long reading, but we never apologize for reading scripture. So let's share prayer together, please. Father, we thank you for your word, which is living. The scripture tells us your word is God-breathed, and we pray, Lord, indeed, that you might breathe upon it now. With all the weak human interpretation that will be given, we pray that above that, you might speak to each of our hearts, that we might lift our eyes higher and serve you better. Amen. Amen. This story begins with a little line. I've often said to you, congregations that we need to read our Bibles regularly. Think if you're not reading your Bible at the moment, the best advice I can give you is to start doing it. It'll do you far more good if you read your Bible every day than listen to me. I can assure you of that. 
But sometimes, you know, we can get into Bible reading and we feel that it's a quantity rather than quality. Maybe you've got a reading plan and they're excellent, please, no criticism there. But sometimes, oh, I've got to read so many chapters a day and sometimes we can move too quickly and we can miss things. So maybe if you slow down a little in your Bible reading and meditate and think further about what's said. And I noticed just one little verse before I started about this. It says in verse 25, when they found him on the other side, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? I thought, well, that's a very strange question. When you think of all that Jesus is involved in the feeding of the 5,000, he'd walked on the lake, suddenly we get this little verse, when did you get here? It's as almost if they're surprised, they think, well, you know, was your camel faster than our camel that you got here? Did you, did you know a shortcut? Did you get here before me? Because I thought I knew the shortest route. And they queried it. And that little verse, how, what time did you get here, illustrates the fact that Jesus had walked over the lake. Because it took them a certain amount of time to walk round the lake. And they thought, well, we set off before you. How did you get here before us? So that little verse gives credence and authority to the tremendous story of Jesus walking on the water. That's just a little something for me. But then we find that they come to him. And Jesus said to them, now this is, sorry, this is a group who had received food and from the feeding of the 5,000. They were part of that group and they had traveled round. As I say, in this chapter, three great events, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on the water and now what we call the discourse on the bread of life. They've queried how he got there, explained quite simply, he took a shortcut across the lake. Then Jesus begins to teach them. They've come and he begins to want to encourage them to, to raise their spiritual sights, their spiritual ambition. He says these words, I tell you the truth. Well, Jesus couldn't do anything else, by the way. I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Jesus very honestly says, look, I know why you're here. You're not here because you saw miracles. You're not here because you think I'm special because you just called me rabbi, which was a nice title, but really wasn't who he was. He was far more than that. He was the teacher, not a teacher, the teacher. And he turns to them and says, listen, I know why you're here. You've not come for the miracles. You're not actually bothered two oots how I got fed so many with loaves and fishes. You're here because you had your fill. To put it bluntly, I know you're here because you want another free meal. <laughs> now, that's fine. There's nothing, you know, no criticism from Jesus in that. We don't find him saying, you terrible people. But what he does say to them is this. You're missing the point. If you think all I am is a, quote, spiritual food bank, if you think all I am is someone who can provide food, that, that, that was it. I provided the food, it says, in that miracle because the people were hungry. Jesus meets needs. Simple. But now he wants to say to them, look, there's more to me than just earthly provision. And if you think that, well, I'm, I'm a Christian because some preacher told me that if I become a Christian, God will make me a millionaire. Well, all I can say is get in the queue <laughs> because it ain't happened to me yet. Almost. No, no. 
Um, although I will let the cat out of the bag of some, ex, 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 some of my wealth later um, in that way. But he wanted to raise their sights. So he says to them very simply, he says, listen, I tell you the truth, you came looking, not for a miracle, but you ate the loaves. Then he says in verse 27, he wants to challenge that. Do not work for food that spoils. In other words, the food you got yesterday won't be suitable today. But for food that endures to eternal life. So he's trying to raise them up. If I can say this, I nearly went, raise up from their tummies to their hearts. He wanted them to think more. You've come looking for food. Okay, I understand that. But listen, there is something else on the menu. Loaves and fishes yesterday, today eternal life. Eternal life. And he wanted them to seek spiritual things rather than earthly things. Now the word here is appetite. Their appetites were locked into the natural life. We all have appetites. None of our appetites are wrong in themselves. It's just how we will control them or not control them, as it were. And discipline and appetite must be linked together. So he comes and he says this. Why do you work for food that does not endure to eternal life, but for food that endures to eternal life? That's what's on offer, eternal life. Then he says this, which the Son of Man will give you. In other words, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. The Son of Man is prepared to give you eternal life. Now, when I first became a Christian thousands of years ago, I used to think that when the Bible spoke about the Son of Man, it was talking about Jesus' humanity. And when it spoke about the Son of God, it was speaking about his deity. Then I went to Bible college and realized the two were uh, interlinked. The term Son of Man is actually an Old Testament term that speaks about the Messiah. It's a very spiritual term. It's not, it's just that Jesus is a man. So you see the Son of God, you think, oh, spiritual, Son of Man, earthly. No, no, it's a very spiritual title from the Old Testament. And so he comes and he uses that title there. The Son of Man will give you. So this eternal life, this food that will last to eternal life, first of all, it's free, and it's been given by the Son of Man, the Son of God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'd have thought, wouldn't you, that they'd have been queuing up, saying, whoa, let's have eternal life. You think it'd be like a Billy Graham crusade where they're running to the front. I don't know whether, I didn't mention this in the first service because it's quite, um, quite special, this really. Um, I was once invited to a Billy Graham crusade. It was in Aston Villa, football ground. Well, you wouldn't go there for football, would you? And, um, sorry, moving on. Um, in the Midlands, that would have lost me my tyres. Um, and um, I was actually invited with my wife, Kay, to sit on the platform at the Billy Graham crusade. I, I think the letter went to the wrong house. And I was at the back, because obviously by then I wasn't as famous as I am now. <laughs> okay? And this is true. As Dr Billy Graham walked off the platform... He patted me on the back. He did. Hang on, I was... This one. <laughs> Sorry. This one. And as he walked past, I went, good one, Bill. You see? And I think that got me the pat on the back. And on the coach going home, one of my deacons, I was pastor of Derby then, I was there, and I said to him, did you see Dr Billy Graham pat me on the back? And like a good Elam deacon, he said, he wasn't patting you on the back. He was pushing you out of the way. 
One thing about Elam, you'll never get a big head. <laughs> never get a big head. We've got no big heads in Elam. But I don't know why I'm telling you that. I just thought it was a good story. But you know, you'd think they'd be running to the front. You'd think it was a Billy Graham. That's the reason I was telling you. The Billy Graham crusade. You'd think they'd be, oh, wow. We came here thinking we were going to get a food and we're going to go home with eternal life. No, no, no. Didn't even happen. Absolutely didn't even happen. Um, on him, it says that the father has placed his seal of approval. In other words, the son of man, the one offering this was not just a rabbi. He wasn't just a prophet or a, a healer. No, no. He says, listen, the son of man himself has the authority to give you eternal life and to prove it, he has got God's seal of approval. You know, today there are lots of... Um, service industries and they will have seal of approval accredited by the plumbers association or whatever and Jesus said I've got credentials I've got these credentials and I have the seal of approval of my father now I believe that came at the his baptism when Jesus came out of the water it says the dove descended upon him and the father said this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased right that was his seal of approval I mentioned in the first service that I have um, two. I have three three qualifications. I have four qualifications. Um, I can swim a width of a swimming pool. I've got my. I did that in the Ealing swimming baths. I have a certificate from Bible College, which at the moment some of you are finding hard to believe. And I've also got an ordination certificate to prove that I'm an Ealing minister. So if you said to me, what's my seal of approval? I could say, well, Bible college and Elam ordination. And you might say, well, okay, he can't be that bad if they'll ordain him. But there are others who we are going to ordain. That are... Anyway, we'll leave Scott out of this for a minute. <laughs> oh, they obviously didn't get my letter, Scott, <laughs> uh, if you're getting ordained. But um, seal of approval. So the one offering this wasn't just a rabbi. It wasn't just a teacher. It is the one who has God's seal of approval. Now, I tell you, you'd think, wouldn't you? Wow, I would like this. This eternal life, please tell us about it. I came wanting fish and chips. I'm going to go home with eternal life. But none of it. Their eyes were too low down. They needed to raise their eyes further up. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Now, at first, I was a bit cross about this. I'm thinking, why, why are they doing this? They've just had an offer of eternal life from the Son of Man. Um, had they not identified it was Jesus? Had, was Jesus being a little vague? Should he not come out and said, it's me? But he was wanting that step of faith from them. And they turned back to the old thing that religion always does. What must we do to do the works God requires? So, walk around the lake five times. Do this, do that. You know, religion always has a lot of do's. The Christian faith has a lot of believes. And he said very simply, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, that you believe in the one he has sent. Now, again, you'd have thought, wouldn't you, somebody would have said, hang on a minute, are you the son of man? God's approval. Are you the one that God sent? None of it. It was seen that they were absolutely 
I have to pick my words now, dense about this? Or were they deliberately avoiding it? Were these smoke screens? Were these dodges to try and avoid what Jesus was talking about because they had their tummies set on something else? What Jesus answered, the work of God is this, that you believe in the one who is sent. And it always is. Many of us were brought up to believe that if we were good, we'd go to heaven. That's what I was told. If you're good, you'll go to heaven. So I thought, well, that's the end of that. Even as a young person, I, I, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. I was never going to be good enough. And you know that you'll never be good enough. Please, charitable works are great. Please, if you're involved in charity and you're doing great things and you're kind, please don't stop. But don't think it's going to get you eternal life. It doesn't. In fact, that's probably that that should be the fruit of eternal life that we do those charitable things. We have to believe very simply in the one he sent, the one the Father sent. Now, moving into our Christmas program, you're going to be reminded regularly in song, in drama, Salt Mine, very good theater company, going to come, you really have. You know, you've, they're going to be reminded who's the one he sent? Uh, Bethlehem? The manger, bit of a clue there, isn't there? The one he sent, it was Jesus. Then they asked him, again, I think they're pushing their luck now. They asked him, what miraculous sign will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Again, I'm getting a little agitated with this group. I'm thinking, come on now. He's told you about eternal life. He's talked about God's approval. He's talked about... He has the power to give eternal life. And they start asking for a sign. Now, again, I think, okay, don't be too hard on them, Gordon. They haven't got the full scriptures as I have, and they were on a journey, and et cetera, et cetera, and Jesus had still not risen. And yeah, all right, be kind to them, Gordon. You know, being a bit hard on them there. And then they said, well, give us a sign that we may see it and believe you. What? Imagine saying this to the Lord. What will you do? I hope you don't say that to God. I don't know if you get your prayer time and you say, well, what are you going to do, God? That attitude will get you a spiritual clip around the ear from an angel. And I don't actually believe that, but, you know, just to try and make you, you know, we don't, you don't say to God, what will you do? Say, Lord, thy will be done. That's a difference, isn't it? Not, Lord, what will you do? It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And they come. Now, okay, I'm going with it. I'm understanding that they're, they're progressing in their revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Let's put it like that. But they don't. They say, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see and believe you? Fine. What will you do? Stop. Now, they should have stopped then. What will you do? And Jesus might say, well, I'll, I'll not do anything, actually. But they didn't. They actually told Jesus what they wanted him to do to prove that he was the son of God. And you'll never guess what it was about. Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Once again, they forget his deity. They forget eternal life. They forget all the other things Jesus had been saying to them and they come back to What's going to be on the plate for tea? That was it. 
God gave a sign in the wilderness, manna from heaven. For those who may not know, in the wilderness, the children of Israel were 40 years in the wilderness. They were wandering around, and God fed them with manna. Manna was a, an amazing spiritual thing, whereby they would eat this, and it, they had to collect it every day. It would come down, they would gather it up every day. If you kept it overnight, it would go manky. So every day you had to get new manna, and the only day the manna didn't go bad was on the Sabbath. Because God didn't want them to go and work on the Sabbath, so he, it didn't happen. And the only other manna that didn't go bad was the manna that was placed in the pot that was inside the Ark of the Covenant. And I got that one this week from watching T.D.A. Jakes on the telly. I've got to give him, uh, that's where I got that one from. Didn't know that. Never thought of it before. A great truth that in the Ark of the Covenant, the manna stayed true, not just for seven days, but for eternity, because it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's a, a Bible study probably for another time. And so they revert back to type. They're back to their tummies. They're back to their, what am I going to eat or what are we going to eat? So he said they gave him bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus moves up a gear. I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, right? But it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. And then we have a change here. They're thinking of manna. Why don't you give us the manna so we never have to go to the shops again? We never have to work because food is going to be provided for us. In the wilderness, their shoes never wore out. The clothes never wore out. Pillar of fire at night to keep them warm. Pillar of cloud to keep them cool. During the, they, they had, it was made. God provided for them. But Jesus now turns it. He says, listen, the manna was good. The manna met a need. The manna was a picture of me and no one else. It was to help you understand who I am. But now the Father has given you the true bread. And he distances himself from the manna in the Old Testament. That meant an immediate need, not an eternal need. He was the true bread from heaven. I did share it with the first service that um, I'm obviously a very wealthy person, as you can tell. And um, we actually, we have some special bread in our house. My wife may be watching, and I hope she won't mind me sharing this with you. But I'm so well off that we actually have, are you ready? You won't be envious, will you? Have we taken the offering? Well, it won't affect the offering when you realise the money I'm on. We have, I'm nervous to tell, all right, I'm going to tell you. We actually have super seeded bread from Mark's. Hey, <laughs> eh? hey, eh? Amanda, you haven't got that, have you? No, I'll have a word. I'll get more housekeeping from Colin. And then you can get some super seeded bread from Mark's. It's great if you don't have dentures. You've got, and I don't have dentures, by the way. Um, I do know a great joke about dentures, but not now. We have superseded bread. When I was a boy, it was, do you want bread? Was white bread, sliced or unsliced? There was not really any much of a choice. Now, you go and you could stand there. And how often do the men here, you're sent to the, sent nurse that was sent, you're sent to the shops and you have to phone home to make sure you're getting the right one. 
I have this problem with softener. I never know what softener to get. And then down the phone comes the words, it's the blue one. <laughs> anyway, hopefully she, my wife watched the first service. You know, this wasn't superseded bread. He wasn't saying, I'm the best bread on the shelf. I'm the most expensive bread on the shelf. I'm the most nutritious bread on the shelf. He's saying, I'm the only bread on the shelf. <laughs> There's nothing else. Don't send your husband out. You'll try the superseded. I, I actually, I'm a shareholder with Marks. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I should be, but I, I'm not. So he says to them there, the true bread, true bread, all other sustenance, the bread you ate yesterday with the loaves and fishes, that wasn't the true bread. The manna wasn't the true bread. That's only a picture of me. I'm the real thing. I am the true bread. Tell you the truth. For the bread of God is what? Is he who comes down from heaven. I tell you the truth. It's not Moses who gives you the bread, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. These Jewish people thought they were the world. They thought we're the children of the covenant, and they were. They were the chosen people. There's no doubt about it. That's why Jesus came there. He was a Jew, etc., etc., etc. I'll go down that road now. I haven't got time. You know? But in this statement, Jesus throws out something. And he said, you know, this bread... This bread is so good, this bread is so special, this bread is so wonderful that not only will it meet the need of Israel, it's for the world. And in this room now, we're certainly not going to ask you how many different nations we have represented here, but the world is represented here. Every continent would be represented here. A proof that Jesus Christ is not only the light of the world, but he's the bread that gives life to the world Verse 34, they said, Sir, still not really worked out who he is. From now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus declares it. He said, give us this bread. Do you know, I'm not very bright as you can tell. But, you know, they're still saying, give us this bread. This bread, that if we eat it, we'll never be hungry again. This Water, if we drink it, we'll never be thirsty. Give us this bread. And it's almost, and I may, if I'm wrong, please forgive me. I can only take this the way I can see it and interpret it. He suddenly says, then Jesus declared. I don't know, but the word declared made me think that he probably raised his voice a little bit. He said, look, let's put an end to this. I've, I've hinted. I've tried to draw out from you. I've tried to get you to lift your eyes away from your tummies into spiritual things and I'm not getting anywhere with you. And now after talking about the Father and talking about the Son and talking about eternal life, you still say to me, give me this bread and then it burst out, burst out in this declaration, I am the bread of life. And you came here looking for something with butter on. You came thinking... I wonder if it'll be fish or something else on the menu today. And he says to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes it will never be thirsty. As I told you, you have seen me and you still don't believe. All the Father's given me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never 
drive away. Isn't it wonderful to know that God will not drive us away? Wonderful verse, isn't it? He will never drive away. You say, Gordon, you don't know who I am. No, I don't. I know some of you a little bit. I'm getting to know you a little bit. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You say, Gordon, I've been a terrible person. If you come, he'll not drive you away. You say, well, I'm not eligible for forgiveness. You're eligible for forgiveness if you know you need forgiveness. That's called conviction. You say, Gordon, I know I've fallen short of God's standards. I know I'm not where I should be, but I need help. He's come to help. He's come with the gift of eternal life if you believe in him and what he has done. We broke bread earlier to remind us that it was his body broken and his blood shed. They made it possible for sinners like Gordon Neal to go to heaven. That's all. You know, when I get to heaven, God's not going to say, oh, um, Gordon Neal, he's been a Neelan minister. Gordon Neal's been a regional superintendent. There's none of that. Did he give his life to Jesus? Yeah, in you come. In you come, son. That's as simple, as simple as that. Almost finished. I am the bread of life. He will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven to the will to do my, sorry, come down from him to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. And here's the, almost the piece de resistance. See, oh, that was a bit good, wasn't it? Was that French? Oh, I wondered. And this is the great verse. For my father's will is, and this is to this group who came looking for food, Nothing wrong to look for food if you're hungry. If there's anybody here who's starving, we'll help you. We'll, you know, we'll sort you out. You know, that's not a problem. This is the will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him, that's it, not looks to the cupboard or the larder or the menu or what can God do for me? No, no. Or what can I do for God? None of that. It's very simple. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks at the Son, looks to the Son, pardon me, and believes in him, believes he's the Son of God, believes he's approved by God, believes that he died and he rose again, fine, shall have eternal life. Not because they deserve it, because none of us do, but because we believe, and this is the will of the Father. It's God's will that we believe in his son, Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Why else would he allow his son to be crucified if it wasn't to bring about a path for you and I to walk into in faith and find our sins forgiven? And then he just throws in at the end that little verse there, and I will raise him up at the last day. In other words, our future is secure for eternity. Eternal life. I have eternal life. But I'm not eternal because I was born uh, 58, 68 years ago. It's hard to believe, isn't it? You thought 70, didn't you? <laughs> 78. Well, I've not been well. And I've had a few late nights. The football's a bit trying at the moment. But um, no, no. Raise him up at the last day. Listen. This Christianity is more than a keeping you happy in this life. People think, oh, you're a Christian, it's, you know, happy. Yeah, yeah, well, we, hopefully we are a happy group, but we can cry as well, by the way. We can cry. 
but there's a future. He will raise us up. That's what eternal life's about, that our future is secure. May I say, Christian friends, in closing, please raise your eyes up. Don't just think, well, you know, what's God going to do for me? Why don't we raise up and realize who he is and that we've already received so much? And if you're not a Christian here today, and we are so pleased you came, and I hope nothing we've said or done today will have put your visiting us again. We'd love to see you again. Really would. Maybe you'd like to consider that. Maybe you've been working for food that spoils. Maybe you're never satisfied. You've worked. You, maybe you've been successful. Maybe you're not successful. Maybe you're wealthy. Maybe you're not. It really it doesn't really matter because from my experience, it doesn't matter what you've got. If you base your happiness on what you've got, you're not going to be happy. It's who you are and who you know. And Jesus Christ comes to you and says very simply, as he said to these people, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again, never be thirsty. Physically thirsty. I'm thirsty now. Isn't this good? A little bit of drama there. He's available to forgive your sins and to give you eternal life. Why? Because that's what he does. That's why he came. It's the Father's will. It's over to you. You can't say you haven't been told.